0: Welcome back to another episode of Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hyper-sexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, we're doing a request. Somebody asked us to clarify our stance on what happens if you find yourself already in a blessing with porn addiction, with, you know, lack of sexual integrity, Um, because somebody Felt that when we explained this, we only explained the need to do your best to not show up at the blessing or ready for marriage with this habit still in your life. Which we still believe, but uh, possibly we didn't explain as well as we could have. And because of that, he felt judged and he felt like he's a guy who's blessed, he has kids, and he's dealing with um, porn addiction. Now he feels even worse because he listened to our episodes. That's not what we want. So this is for all of you out there who um, who want clarity on this. Because if you're single, it's important to understand what it's like to be in a blessing and have an addiction. It's not fun. But if you are already in a relationship and you have an addiction, there is a way out. There's no need to feel guilty. So let's get into it
1: all. We're all friends here. Everyone, welcome back to the Love Life and Legacy podcasts. It's your hosts Benji, Benji Sama, and Andrew Sama. Andrew is over there in Japan at, at the moment, in Tokyo, in some kind of hotel or Airbnb. And he's having quite a cultural experience, uh, and uh, I'm back here in North Carolina after we just toured through Korea and doing uh, events there. And the High noon team went on to Philippines and currently in Japan. So we are transporting ourselves to you here just to deliver y'all a very special episode that was a request from one of our fine listeners about managing what I myself had struggled with in the beginning of my blessing. And uh, we'll get into this, which is how to manage sexual uh, integrity and sexual addiction after you are married, after you receive the blessing, either through bringing an addiction or habit into a relationship unintentionally. Or developing an addic- addiction after being in a relationship. It's a very common thing that we haven't really touched much on the podcast yet, right? So uh, I hope we can dive into this and give, shed some light on it, right, Andrew? What do you think?
0: Oh, we like that light. We like that light. I have a big light shining in my face right now, just so that I don't look like Quasimodo. The lighting's pretty bad in here, but it's good to carry a lamp wherever you go, everybody, a spiritual lamp and shed some light. And your yourself and all your friends, um, yeah. So, well, I, I somebody reached out to me. Uh, not anyway, we were in a conversation, and it eventually came out that he felt judged by the way that we present certain content, um, because we are always mentioning the fact that it's a fantastic idea to rip porn out of your life, replace it with many good habits um, prior to getting into a relationship. And that's kind of like plan A. And so he was just saying that he really felt like that's not very helpful for him because he started his journey after he he was like uh, about to have his first kid. He was already blessed and now he has another one. And so I said, yeah, that makes sense because there's a lot there, right? There's... When you give information... How you give it is important. But also context is really, really important. Because the fact remains, obviously, that if you are a super healthy person without any bad habits and you enter a relationship... It's just better than somebody who has accumulated a bunch of bad habits and then get into a relationship. But the reality is that most of us have bad habits when we get into a relationship. So there's like plan A shouldn't stop being plan A because it would be great then for that to be something maybe for your kids that you can help them work on developing really good habits for their future, right? Um, And to not hate them if they make mistakes or anything like that. But to have a plan is, is good. That's the North Star goal, right? But if things don't pan out, then that doesn't mean that you're bad or that even the plan's bad. It just means that Things deviated from the kind of best possible situation. And now you're left with a different situation. And I think a big part of feeling judged, you know, and we all do it. Like you can, if you ever are in a city and you watch somebody jogging down the street and they just have abs on their face, abs everywhere all over, all of a sudden you notice the jiggle in your belly a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> right, and you can allow yourself to hate yourself for not being that person, or you could be like, "Oh, thank you for the reminder that I could work on myself a little bit more." There's many different ways of interpreting the same event, and I think uh, first, first and foremost, I think a healthy way is to maybe notice how you feel, but maybe not take the emotions as seriously as they want to be taken, because sometimes your emotions act like kids who just really want a lot of your attention and if you just indulge them sometimes they come back and they hurt you you know like does that make sense
1: yeah there's different ways of of relating or responding or reacting to any emotion and typically when emotions are difficult like feelings of shame or guilt or like i'm not good enough in in particular which is a very common thing we experience a lot of people what i've noticed especially with mentoring is Will immediately label all emotions innately as evil and wrong. I should destroy these emotions, but then I kind of shed light on the fact that all emotions are experienced for a reason. All the most unpleasant and negative emotions we experience, we can either respond to them in a productive or destructive way, or in other words, we can let that motivation, uh, let that that emotion be fuel for motivation, or it can stifle and hinder us. Right, like shame or guilt, for example. We talk about this in our workshops guilt can be, you can have a healthy dose of guilt if you use it as fuel to get you to stop being the person that you feel guilty about being, you know what I'm saying? It's like if we didn't feel guilty about our mistakes, we would never learn and we'd probably be psychopaths. Like if you think about it, it's pretty much the behavior of a psychopath is if you don't feel any emotions when you do something wrong or you feel like you've made a mistake, you know what I'm saying? So just having that basic understanding that every emotion is God-given, innately inherently a not evil or good or bad thing it's just an emotion and just having the perspective of i can either let this motivation this uh, emotion motivate me or i can let it hinder me and really that's like the the what it comes down to right and so the tendency of people that use porn to escape emotions is because it's letting that emotion consume us whether it's stress or boredom or unpleasant you know frustrations or anger or loneliness right inside of a marriage inside of a blessing uh that's usually when people will decide to go to some kind of behavior like porn or masturbation to deal with that emotion but it's not to it doesn't label it doesn't mean that the emotion itself is a negative thing so that's kind of another way of putting i think what you're saying about looking at these feelings of being judged as maybe that's that's like a god-given thing too is i feel judged i feel i'm i'm I, I should be more, or I feel like I'm different, you know. And maybe that's not a bad thing. That's all I'm saying. You know.
0: Yeah. No. I think that I think in our movement, there's certain words that we kind of gloss over or we repeat without much connection to the depth or the meaning. And one of them is like offering it up to God. I hear that a lot from young people, and I didn't. I wasn't raised in this movement, so I, I maybe I just never caught up. <laughs> But a situation like any emotion and any situation could ultimately be used for the betterment of the individuals in that situation and for humankind in general, right? So even a war as heinous as the Second World War also gave way to a more unified world than it had ever been because we dealt with something on a global scale that we, we'd never really done, like it, even on a bigger scale than the First World War. So. Um, within our own selves, yeah, you can have negative, like guilt and shame, that whole Renee Brown talking about how uh, guilt is feeling bad for making a mistake and shame is feeling bad for being you. Like, I hate me, I'm a bad person, not I made a mistake. Very different. Um, But even shame, if you think about it, all these emotions are already latent in you. They're already like dormant. They're asleep in you. They're waiting for their turn. They're Maybe they're not asleep. They're in line and they're waiting for their number to be called. And when we give them a forum, right, we give them the opportunity to show up, then they'll show up and be like, hey, I'm here. You called me. And then a lot of people's reaction next, they get this feeling then they call their friends and like, oh, shame is here. That means that I anger needs to come. Hey, anger, can you come here too? And then now you're ashamed of yourself and you're angry at yourself and you start just like networking with all these negative emotions rather than being like, oh, hey, shame. What's up? You, you're here. You shut up. So do you have something to tell me? Do you have like a message for me? And understanding it. So I feel like we're getting deep into this first point, but it is an important one because when we say information, it's the same, we give this talk every time we speak in front of people and it's really important to understand that typically people feel like there are two options. One is shame and that's typically in the realm of religion or idealisms. So righteous people who want to have a better world, they typically have some framework or rubric for what they believe is good behavior and bad behavior. And if they don't live up to their expectations, then they just feel ashamed of themselves. And sometimes, some cultures, like even in our church, um, shame can be given to people. Oh, you're not doing your job, right? And so there can sometimes be a culture of shame. Whereas um, there's also the opposite, which is justification, which is like, oh, uh, you're wrong, not me. My behavior is not that bad. Uh, other people are doing worse. This kind of, These kind of r- lines of rationale are typically what people are left with, one or the other. And our viewpoint is if we say something that triggers some negative emotions in you, maybe it's us. Maybe we just phrased it poorly and you can reach out to us like this guy did and say, hey, can you stop it or can you change or can you explain something? And we're happy to, to do that. Um, but the high noon culture is also to really look at and get to understand these things that are popping up along your journey. Because if we say, Hey, here's like an ideal and it makes you feel guilty, then there's something there, right? There's something there. And even if we're wrong, it shouldn't make you feel bad about yourself. You know, it's like, oh, you guys are wrong. I I I would love to tell you why why I think you're wrong. And we're again we're we're open to that. Um but yeah, if, if, if you hear stuff from us or along your journey towards building sexual integrity and it leaves you feeling more imprisoned with negative emotions, to understand that is your ticket to happiness because you probably have a habit of being led to those emotions and instead... To, to wrestle with them, to understand them, and to overcome them, and to go beyond them is, that's the ticket to, like, a really happy life. Is no, Nobody can take you down because you're like, oh, I, I can handle emotions because I'm used to it. Because I talk to my emotions, I deal with them. And it's quite liberating, you know? Even in the moment, like, a lot of times I'm in a fight with my wife and I'll be like, I just need a break right now. Like, my head feels like it's going to explode. Can we just chill? swing back around give you a chance I was talking to a guy uh, this week a couple days ago and he's learning how to in the moment just breathe just breathe because he's really really like he has expectations he's got a very analytical mind and he wants things to be a certain way and when they're not he starts to tense up and get really frustrated so just breathing loosens him up a little bit he still has some work to do in terms of like really working on that but like that's a huge step for him
1: because otherwise, he's just spazzing out all day, you know? I think that this is the ticket to people becoming superheroes in their own life. If you think about the greatest heroes in comic books, they always have the background of their life being difficulty and overcoming hardship. And I think about the people who have been through, through the most gratuitous, you know, forms of suffering in our noon in, in world. And being able to overcome those things like addiction, like bringing a porn addiction or an affair into their relationship, or even, even you know, I was talking with a wonderful sister, one of our staff sisters, I love you to death, a younger sister, and she was really struggling because at high noon, we have to deal with a lot of really heavy situations. And she, is, she doesn't know how to handle a lot of this stuff that we're talking about and we're hearing from people that we're mentoring, right? And so she really is affected deeply by these uh, emotions that people are expressing to her, right? Like different difficult experiences in their lives, uh, pains. And, and uh, she feels, it kind of like she feels shame and guilt because she's feeling really affected by this stuff and she doesn't feel like she's strong enough to handle it. And all I could say to her is like, this is, this is why you are who you are. is because you have an opportunity to use this emotion you're feeling of helplessness in some ways to and, and empathy to help people. Because if you didn't feel those emotions, you wouldn't care at all to listen to someone. You wouldn't care to support someone. You wouldn't care to hold someone's hand through those difficulties and those those uh, difficult, tumultuous situations. You wouldn't. And you would be a psychopath, right? <laughs> so I was like, Congratu- congratulations, you're a human being you know, for feeling these emotions. And you can either let these emotions stifle you and hinder your experience in life, or you can use them as fuel to help people. And I think that this, like you're saying, Andrew, this is the ticket for people to, to become like something that they never thought possible, right? And I can't tell you guys how many, especially facilitators in High Noon, have been through these addictions we're talking about, have been through the sexual psych of addiction and have made it through the other side and are helping people as facilitators and also as mentors, you know, doing one-on-one mentorship. And it's only through their hardship and through their struggle that they are able to help people as their heroes of their communities, of their groups. And it's, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. And it's really hard to see. It's, it's incredibly hard to see, especially when you're in the eye of the storm and you're trying to figure out how to get your act together. Um, but I think for me, it's just gives a little bit of peace of mind to know that these experiences, even though it's hard in the beginning, can be a lesson shared later on that might change someone's lives, and probably will change someone's life, right? And I like to think that God has a hand in our experiences, right? So this might be a good segue to talking about the kind of the steps or the the process of, you know, bringing a sexual uh, addiction or porn use or habit or whatever you want to call it, guys, into your relationship, into your marriage. Uh, Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So,
0: I mean... One practical note is, if you can imagine entering a relationship, you're about to get matched, get blessed, um, and you have two possibilities. One possibility is you have accumulated a bunch of debt. That's from student loans, maybe you tried to start a business, it failed. Now you're, let's say, $60,000 in debt versus you kind of scrimped and saved, maybe you had some successful ventures, you were got into the right crypto at the right time, whatever. Uh, and you got, now you're $60,000, you know, in savings or investments, right? Those two different scenarios don't make you a better or worse person. It just is, you got, you got different situations going on, different... Um, life choices, you know. there's. It says a a lot about where you came from, but it doesn't necessarily dictate where you're going, so long as you learn from your mistakes and your successes. So similarly, there's spiritual debts, there's emotional debts that we accumulate, and there's a surplus of goodwill and, Mm -hmm. you know, really good habits that we bring into your marriage. So if in this kind of metaphor, you can imagine porn is obviously in the debt category. It's not an asset. Um, it's not. It's not like an advantage <laughs> uh, that that you have this addiction. But if that's the case, and you find yourself in a blessing, um, and we advise you to not. I mean, I I really want to be cautious that I don't want anybody to delay their effort because like i'll fix it later that's a really bad plan because it in this metaphor the interest accumulates over time it becomes harder the more that you put it off um you know so but if you do find yourself in a situation where you do have you're still watching porn you still have a lack of sexual integrity and personal integrity and you're blessed then If you play your cards right, this can be something that really unifies your couple and makes you stronger. The way that we're presented relationships in our society now is that it's supposed to start off romantic and then it's supposed to be smooth, and if not, then there's something wrong and you should probably leave. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like this habit that you have, this and that. These are all now avenues to escape a relationship rather than... Opportunities to form a genuine selfless bond, which is the purpose of marriage in the first place. And people, because they're believing this lie that it's supposed to be easy or that um, working on your marriage is hard work and it's not worth it, um, these people are missing out on all the gold. The only reason I love my wife to the extent that I do is because we went through many difficulties and I can see her more for who she is, not who I wanted her to be. And likewise, right? We that's, that's our investment in each other. So you can use difficult situations to your advantage if you're committed to working through it together as a couple. And if you're, let's say, a guy and you have this addiction... And you bring it up with your wife. There's many different ways in which she can respond, and you can't control that. Um, but uh, ultimately, if you're committed to the process of the blessing, which is a lifelong commitment to learning how to love each other as you need, as you need to be loved, um, you'll figure it out, and we can help you. You know that's what our programs are here for. But. Um, it can also really destroy your relationship if you go, you know, if you if you try to sneak it in, you know, and you you have the secret life. Or if you um, say, you know, just accept me for who I am and you kind of like demand something from each other, that doesn't work, you know. It, but if you play the long game, it will work out and it will bring you closer together. All, all difficulties will. Even physical debt. My wife and I got into a whole lot of debt. Um, After starting a business, we basically started a business and our savings was almost like the exact same number, just with a minus in front of it after our investment. And it was the most stressful kind of two years of our life. And we love each other that much more because we got through it, but it was hell for a little while, but it was actually just the limitations of our love for each other that we were facing. It was nothing wrong with us. It was just, we were learning how to actually care and be kind to each other amongst difficult times or amidst difficult times. So, yeah, that's one important point is like, please do not say, I'll fix it later. That's not, it's never true. That's that's part of that justification. It's fix it now. And if you're single, really, it's important that you work your hardest to get rid of all bad habits. So they're not liabilities. For You don't want to give somebody your bad habits as a gift. You know, and when you get married to them, because it's more like a curse, but if you have found yourself in a marriage with bad habits, you can use those as a, a means to learn how to love each other more and trust each other more, and all these things. It's possible, both are possible
1: yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the reason that people do delay getting better is because their motivation is for the future, you know. It's unfortunately or fortunately, one of one of the co- most common reasons that people decide to join our Ascent program, especially single folks, right, is because they say, oh, I want to I quit for my future spouse, my future husband, my future wife. Or sometimes, actually, I want to share a story about, uh, you know, some couples that are husbands that join because they want to quit because their wife asked them to, right? And just real quick, there was a brother that, you know, I, I was mentoring and I asked him, why do you want to quit? Which I, I, we usually ask right in our calls. And he said, well, because my wife said, if I don't like this relationship is over essentially. And, and so I was like, you know, thank you for joining. It's noble that you're here, but do you have any other personal reason, motivation to quit? And he was like, no, if, if it wasn't for her, I'd just go back to porn. Right. And, and so I told him very Benji like, I was like, I want you to think about this for the next week and let me know what you think. I don't think you're going to quit ever unless you have a re- reason other than for your spouse. Even though I might remind you guys that it's noble and it's great to do something for someone else. But when the when the rubber hits the road, when you actually are faced with decisions, those smaller decisions that are not just, do I watch porn or not? The smaller decisions of like, do I go down that rabbit hole or watch that YouTube video or that TV show or that movie that I know I shouldn't watch? And then you're kind of like walking the edge, walking the line of "Quote unquote," what is porn without actually watching porn? And you're just kind of justifying. And you guys know that eventually that's going to hook you in and lead you down that rabbit hole very well. So, I, and that's that's the primary reason why I think that if if you don't make it for yourself, like I want to quit because I hate how this is affecting me, you know. And I'll say, like in my own life, like I mean, I haven't even shared my experience here yet, but I mean, I could talk for an hour, honestly about my own story, right? Of of bringing porn unintentionally into my relationship, right? And I think it's it's most usually not the case where people are deciding to, to watch porn and masturbate after they get married. And I think this is important for the partner to understand as well is that it's called a habit for a reason. It's called an addiction for a reason. And the reason it's called that is because you bring it with you even though you don't want to. It's something that stays with you even though you try to not do it. It's called a habit. So I was clean from PMO, porn masturbation, for three years before the before my matching and blessing and marriage. <clears throat> and so I was like, I'm good, I'm clean, I'm I'm on top of the world, got my act together. And then it was like a year after, I think that within the first year of the blessing, I had like a strong like pull and relapse. And it was interesting because I, I identified that it was one of the most stressful times uh, in my life, especially in my relationship with my wife. You know, and I noticed that every time we were not on good terms, we were fighting, we were stressed out in our relationship, I would always go to porn, not because my of my wife actually, it was because it was because I felt shame about being a terrible husband. And so this is I thought it was stress, but it was actually this idea of like, We're fighting and that means we're a bad couple and that means I'm a bad husband and I'm failing at this marriage thing. And then that shame cycle kicked in. And then I would always go back to porn, like like clockwork. Every time that we were arguing about something or or stressed out in a relationship, I would go back to porn, right? And so I remember distinctly the I remember all of the thought processes I went through to actually quit, right? And I think this in hindsight, this is why I was saying earlier, your story is is your zero to zero journey is is the story that's going to help help tre- a tremendous amount of people, right? And I remember the exact uh, mental processes I went through one of them, which was, I remember having to ask myself, I need to have a reason besides my wife. Cause I can always just justify like, you know, it's for my wife it's for my wife. But the reality is my wife is one of the, my wife is someone that doesn't really care about porn. Like, to be honest, there's different spectrums of spouses that react to a, a partner's use of porn and masturbation. And my wife is kind of on the spectrum of like, I don't understand, like, I don't get this like, I don't understand what porn is. It doesn't seem like it's such a bad thing, you know, of course she didn't like it, whatever. But she was the kind of the opposite of like someone that would react very negatively and poorly. Like I want a divorce right now. She was kind of on the other end, which is apathy or kind of like, I don't get it, which is not very helpful to be honest. If you're struggling and trying to get better, um, but, and so I didn't really have a strong reason because my wife didn't really care until I had to find a reason. And I realized that I I hated that I could not fully, I, I hated that I could not fully love my wife, to put it simply. Like I hated the fact that I cannot fully be present with her, even if it's an occasional thing, even if it's a minor habit, whatever you want to call it. I'm still not able to give 100%. I'm still reserving something for myself. Literally, like physiologically, I'm reserving something for myself and not giving to her emotionally, spiritually as well. And so I just hated that feeling. And I was like, I hate being this guy. And I just looked like I took a giant look in the mirror, you know, metaphorically. And I was like, and I I just hate, I hate being this. And that was like my motivation. I was like, I don't like being this guy. And I realized that I was more stressed with this habit right and andrew you're talking about like the advantages or benefits of porn you know that we think that it's giving to us but i was very strategic about trying to understand the pros and cons of having this habit right because at the end of the day there is some level of benefit that i believe or my mind believes that that porn is giving to me and as long as i have that benefit in my mind then it's gonna always that that's the card i'm gonna play when it really counts you know i'm like reserving this card this trump card in the back of my pocket, whenever I'm stressed or anxious or, or or uncertain or whatever, then I'll just play that because it's always there. Right. But I had to kind of go through this process of really making an honest pros and cons. Right. And and the only there's a lot of cons, obviously, but the only benefit I I really came when it came down to that I I believed like wholeheartedly was that it was stress relief. And I believed that because that's how it was using porn is for stress relief. And so I was, I was Believing wholeheartedly that, that porn is a reasonable thing for me to do when I'm stressed, especially my relationship with my wife. And that's the card I would play when I was stressed, is the porn card, right? But then I ask, ask myself, honestly, is this helping me with, with stress? Or is it doing the opposite, which is it making me more stressed? Is it actually making me dependent on it just to not be stressed, which is an entirely different game? and then i realized over time especially in the last few few years i had become more irritable more stressed out more agitated more uh, easily stressed out easily agitated e- easily irritable and i would go to to porn to kind of soothe this desire i had and i kind of felt like a like an like a like a drug addict you know what i'm saying like that needing that fix really quickly like need it like just spiking in emotional states like stress not stress stress not stress and then i realized like oh this is actually not helping with stress, but it's making me more stressed out. And when I realized that, I was like, "There's actually no benefits for this. I think there is, and that's why I'm doing it." But I realized in that moment, it's like, "There's no benefits to this, and I don't need to have it anymore." And for some some reason, it's like it was a belief system change I had that I was holding on to as like a crutch to lean on. But what I realized is that it wasn't helping me at all. It was making me worse, and I hated being that person. And so I just had to look at myself and just be like, man, you are, you're gross. Like, what are you doing, dude? And just kind of give me that fatherly slap in the head, you know, It's like, come on, like, stop it, you know? Um, And that was, that was really it. It was number one, like realizing I can't fully love my wife and I really want to. And number two, realizing that it was adding nothing to my life, like zero. And for me, that was enough to like completely change the trajectory of my motivation to make it not just about her, right? is for her, but actually I want this for me. And that's why I should stop, you know? And so I think that's a process that every single individual has to go through, not only in a relationship, but before a relationship too, is am I doing this for some hypothetical what if situation that might or might not happen in the future? Or am I doing it because I already see the effects and ramifications of my actions on my life already right now today? And that is how behaviors change. You know what I'm saying? Well, I guess I can wrap up. Yeah. I can kind of wrap up her part of it. You know, of course, people should message her. I always say, like, you can message her on Facebook anytime she's available if you want to talk to her. But she, you know, I often talk about these reference points, right, with people is that you should have times in your life where you feel the most amount of grace and love and use those as reference points to remember that you love and not always constantly seek love but just remembering that your love is a is a fantastic way to experience God right and my experience is that I've never felt so much grace and love from from my from anybody than that experience I've had of talking about sexual integrity with my wife and experiencing the the forgiveness and grace and understanding, actually. Um, I often think about those moments a lot because it brings me back to what really matters. And it brings me clarity uh, that I am unconditionally gloved, even if sometimes I question that and, and don't think I am. I can always ref- refer back to those moments that I've experienced. Um, and interestingly, a lot of people that I speak with When I ask them, like, when have you felt most unconditionally loved? A lot of people actually say when they talk with their parents, a parent or a spouse about their porn addiction. Interesting, right? And so I think that there is something about talking about the most shameful things openly with people and then being seen and heard and then receiving nothing but grace, despite feeling that we're going to be rejected and disappointed in. And I think that is actually how we let we feel God and that we allow ourselves to heal and recover is through that you know and because the shame cycle that we get stuck in is is really a it's really an unfortunate mental mental state where we just kind of say the most horrendous things to ourselves like I'm not loved I'm not worthy if I do this no one's gonna love me if I really was open with people no one's gonna appreciate me or accept me and I'd be disappointed in and all those things but when you really just live the hindered life that we talk about and you realize like oh I didn't have to be worried. Like, good. It's all good, you know?
0: You can experience grace as if you tell somebody. Um, so that's the catch-22 is most people don't want to talk about it so they never feel forgiven. That's the it's bad math. Bad math. So, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, if you, if you are in a situation where you're, you're blessed, um, and you have an addiction, um, you, like I said, your, your wife, let's say in this case, uh, you tell your wife that you have this addiction, she might react in many different ways. And in Benji's situation, he wasn't quite getting what he was looking for. He wanted more of a reaction from his wife and she just kind of Gave him unconditional love. And. But at the end of the day. It forced him. To kind of. Find his own way. Because nobody was going to do it for him. So. Um, you might find that. Your spouse is. Much more supportive than you thought. Some spouses honestly are quite hurt. They feel betrayed. They feel like. um What. whoa How could you do this. Right. Why didn't you tell me. Um, but that's up to them. That's their own thing. Your job is not to dictate how they should feel. It's just to let them in to what's going on with you. And that's the only way that you can actually make progress. So what that does is it allows you to have difficult conversations. And these difficult conversations are uh if handled well, they're an opportunity for you to get stuff out that's been lingering for a while. Yeah. And if you're committed to the process of loving each other, you have as many conversations as it takes, sometimes with a therapist, sometimes with just family. Um, sometimes you go to your own support team and then come back and work together. There are many different avenues for that. But The idea is that you just talk it out until you really start to see what's at the core of this. So for Benji, he realized that it was uh, his addiction was connected to his self-worth as the role of the husband. And when he was failing at being a husband in his own concept, then his self-worth was very low and he was angry at himself. So when you're feeling angry at yourself and you feel like you have no value, you do stupid things. That's what we do. That's what addictions are. Right there, just waiting for us. They jump on us. They jump all over us when we're when we put ourselves in that position. So, um, but everybody's different. We hear many different scenarios. You know, honestly, sometimes this gets resolved really quickly. Sometimes it takes years to sift through the many, many emotions that come up. But always, if you do the work, you end up being so much closer to yourself so much closer to your spouse and you can love each other on a level that it you won't like even if we describe in words you won't be able to really understand that it is only possible on the other end of a lot of effort and sometimes pain sometimes joy but a whole lot of conversations so if you're single please for god's sake Work your best to not bring debts spiritually, mentally, emotionally, even physically into your marriage. But if you've already gotten yourself married and you do have debts of some variety, including porn, get rid of Get rid of those debts because life is so much more. People are living month to month these days, financially, they say. Um, most people in America. But I would say that They're living like a minute to minute in terms of their stress. (laughs) Uh, You know, they get stressed out one bad conversation and they like they need a hit of some some escapism. So um, the more that you accumulate a savings or some sort of strategy to have um, wealth in terms of emotional wealth, spiritual wealth, um, that will be your advantage during the tough times because you won't freak out as much and you won't do stupid things as much because you have savings, right? So that means, uh, metaphorically, you can get lost there. If you do your work and you understand your emotions, you do, you accumulate good habits like meditation, you, you calm, then maybe a, something difficult happens within your family You'll be able to talk it out. You'll be able to resolve it. You'll be able to find a way forward. But if you're just minute to minute and you're just barely scraping by, then any little thing can rock the boat so easily and it can cause so much stress. And you do that enough times and it just becomes unworkable. You end up in a a life that you're just like, I can't even handle this, right? And nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. But most people settle for that because they think that's all they can. They deserve or they just don't know how to get out of debt so yeah please everybody invest invest in your future have spiritual savings accounts formulate a lot of good habits that give you calm that give you peace that work on your difficult emotions talk to your friends pray to god do many things and you'll be fine
1: and tell your spouse everything <laughs> a comment on the partner's perspective because i know for a fact that we're going to have partners partners of strugglers listening to this particular episode and i just want to acknowledge them because we should we can make an entire episode about that topic and i i want to just bring this up because i had a a very interesting conversation with a with a wife in korea while we're in korea and uh she was she was blessed and then like uh like a month or something very soon after the blessing, she she found out that he was, you know, watching porn, and uh, she she kind of is on this spectrum of very kind of uh, distraught and and upset about it, and so the unfortunate part is that the the husband is not ver- is not very willing to change, and that's a really hard situation to be in is when you have an addicted spouse that is not willing to to get rid of their behavior, right, and so. The only thing I could really tell her was to get educated. You know, that's the healthy medium that we talk about. It's the extremes in reaction is complete apathy, which is like totally fine. I don't care, do what you want. And then complete reaction, which is I want a divorce right now. I can't believe you would do this to me, right? And they're both not helpful, especially with somebody that has brought a, a, a dependency on porn into their relationship. They need healing, they need recovery, they need support, they need love, they need immunity, and they need to get serious, right? And so the last thing they need is more negative emotions fueled on top of that. So I'm saying this because there is a healthy medium, a healthy middle ground, which is to get educated and supported yourself, which is why, you know, we do these podcasts, which is why we're here for you, right, as as mentors and, and community. So please feel free to reach out if you want to talk to a a sister about uh if you're a sister that is the partner of a struggler and i think having give and take with people that have experience um supporting people in this area is the best way to go forward so don't feel f- don't fee- be afraid to reach out just want to say that yeah reach out
0: shout it out thank you everybody um we'll continue to unpack this but Uh, it's, it's a great exercise for you all. If you, if you feel like we haven't fully explained something or done a poor job at explaining something or would like more clarity in general on some issue, let us know. Yeah. This guy just, you know, told me he felt like he just listened to a few early episodes and this is what he got this feeling that he was being guilt tripped and I disagreed. Um, but I, I I disagreed that we didn't that we weren't saying that. But at the same time, that's how he felt. So I was happy to clarify to the best of my ability. So please let us know. We uh, we don't do this for the money. Benji and I have rejected sponsorship from Pepsi, from Playboy magazine. Who doesn't know advertising?
1: Base. Better Health.
0: Yeah, millions of dollars on the it. table, and we said no. Because uh, we're not in it for the money. We're in it for you guys. And yeah. So, but it's only really effective if, if you let us know. If there's, if we've been hearing, oh, great job, podcast, save my life, all these things, which can form a bit of a bias. Oh, we're doing great. But I'm sure we're we're not doing as, as well as we could. So uh, we need your feedback. So let us know. And we will see you. When we see you, God bless your faces and all the races. How about that? It's
1: a new say. Love it. Take care, everybody. Hail.